Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and you are joining me for a follow-up on episode 300. Episode 300 was when I talked with my good friend Ella from over at On Air with Ella all about fasting. And that episode triggered a lot of really great conversation and questions. So I want to use our time together today to answer those questions and help those of you who are wondering if intermittent fasting is a good idea for you, or if maybe you should try an extended fast. I want to help you identify what is the best approach for you. And I've said this in the past couple of episodes. I want to say it again at the top of this episode and probably several times throughout. If you aren't consistently eating clean, then I would suggest very strongly that you focus on creating that consistency before you distract yourself or divert your energy and attention into any type of fasting, right? Just like you can't out-exercise your poor food choices, you know, like exercise isn't going to compensate for eating in a way that isn't fat loss friendly, fasting won't either, Fasting is not something you do to justify indulging, right? And I really don't agree with this idea of like, oh, well, eat whatever you want and then fast for a couple of days. Like that doesn't represent, from my perspective, a healthy relationship with food. So that's not what fasting is all about. Remember what I talked about a couple of episodes ago, mechanics first, then consistency, then relative intensity. Fasting, whether we're talking about intermittent fasting or more extended fasting, that is one of those relative intensity kind of level up plays. The mechanics are your basics, making fat loss friendly food choices and doing so consistently, not having this all or nothing mentality or the on again, off again approach. So consistency with the basics first. Seriously, that comes first. Do not let this idea of fasting take over your mind and over and take priority over the the basics and consistency with those basics. So now that we have that out of the way, and this is something I chatted about back in episode 37, so quite some time ago. When we talk about metabolism, I think many of us sort of go, yeah, huh, metabolism, right? without really understanding it. And when we understand it from a nuts and bolts standpoint, our food choices and what is required for fat loss suddenly makes a lot more sense and we look at food differently. So first and foremost, metabolism is the process of breaking something down to be used for energy, fuel. Now this could be the food you eat, breaking it down to be used for energy by your body, 
Or it could be your stored body fat, breaking that down to be used as energy to fuel your body. The energy could be for healing and repair, right? Just normal cellular processes, immune function. It could be for growth. It could be for essential things like keeping your heart beating, keeping you breathing. These are all metabolic processes. And storage is also a metabolic process. So storing excess is a metabolic process. Building muscle is a metabolic process. And we really need to understand this from a high level. We don't need to understand all the cellular functioning and whatnot. But when we talk about intermittent fasting or extended fasting or fat loss, we need to understand these basics. And obviously the first of those is consistent quality nutrition first, because you're not going to fast your way to compensate for poor food choices. When you eat, your body is going to deal with that fuel first. It's in the pipeline, so to speak, right? I usually refer to that, you know, if you have a meal, now you've got fuel in the pipeline, energy in the pipeline. When you consume energy, And this is measured in the form of calories. So we're not talking about solid food here and liquid doesn't count. A lot of people, for some reason, think that bulletproof coffee is fasting. It's not because you're putting fuel in the pipeline, energy measured in calories. So if it has calories, it is putting fuel in the pipeline. And when you do that, your body gets the message, hey, there's fuel here. There's energy here. Let's use this for our current energy needs because... It's efficient. It's right here. We don't have to go hunting to release stored energy from someplace else in the body. And the other thing is, physiologically, the fuel can't stay in the pipeline, right? When these nutrients, this energy hits the bloodstream, it can't stay there. So your body has to prioritize the energy that you have consumed from that meal, that snack, that beverage, whatever. It is going to use what it needs, and then it's going to store the excess, There are two states your body can be in, postprandial and postabsorptive. So in Latin, postprandial comes from from a Latin word. Prandium means meal. So postprandial is the state your body is in after a meal when it's actively breaking down, using, and storing what you just ate. In this postprandial state, your body doesn't need to break down stored body fat as fuel because it's using the fuel you just gave it with that meal or that snack or that calorie-containing beverage, whether it's protein shake, bulletproof coffee. It's using what's there. One of the first questions people ask when they hear this is, okay, well, how long does that state last? It depends. It depends on what you ate. Some things are metabolized more quickly, processed by the body more quickly than others. It depends on how much you ate. The more you ate, the longer it takes. It also depends on how efficient your metabolism is, your carb tolerance. I did a full episode on carb tolerance and how some people who have a lower tolerance for carbohydrates, it takes their body much longer to process carbohydrates. And that is true in general. Some people have a very efficient metabolism, so they can get through this postprandial state very quickly and others don't. 
Now, obviously, if we're talking about the difference between, oh, well, I start the day with cream in my coffee, you're still in a postprandial state after that because you gave energy to your body and your body has to use that first. That obviously, though, doesn't last as long, that postprandial state, as, say, if you had bacon and eggs and hash browns, right? In the postprandial state, you are breaking down the fuel you ate or drank. Your body doesn't need to turn to your body fat as fuel because it has something else that you gave it. The challenge when we're constantly snacking, when we're constantly putting ourselves in this postprandial state, is that the body doesn't need to turn for fat as fuel, to turn to fat for fuel for the body because you keep giving it fuel over and over and over, right? The other state is post-absorptive, which is just that. After your body has absorbed, digested, used, stored, whatever you've eaten. So in the post-absorptive state, you don't have fuel in the pipeline, so to speak. So your body, to meet its energy needs, has to turn towards its stored fuel. And it could be stored in your muscle tissue, right? That's kind of the short-term storage space for glucose or sugar. It's in our, our muscle tissue or our liver. Or it could be body fat if you don't have these glycogen stores in your muscle or your liver, or you've already used those up. So when we're fasting, whether it's for 12 hours, 16 hours, 48 hours, we are extending that post-absorptive state where the body is turning to its fuel reserves to meet its energy needs. For those of you that are wondering if this slows down the metabolic rate to not constantly be eating, I really encourage you to listen to episode 300 because I chat with Ella about this. In short, the answer is no, but episode 300 goes into that a little bit more, and since that episode is, is pretty recent, I want to use this episode for new stuff and refer back to 300 where appropriate, because we did cover a lot there, and I really want to use today's time together to fill in the gaps. A lot of people feel like fasting is a crash diet. And there are two main points I want to address there. Most of what determines whether or not something is a crash diet is your mindset going into it, right? If you're doing anything at all because you want fast results and it's not a behavior you can, can sustain or you will sustain, that's a crash diet, period. Whether you're talking about a ketogenic way of eating or a calorie-based way of eating, whatever, when your crash diet flags start going up in your head, oh, that's a crash diet, that's 99% mindset and perspective. And the second point is more science-based. The notion of crash dieting is usually about these super low-calorie diets where you severely restrict for the purposes of weight loss. Now, most of those foods we eat on these low-calorie diets are carbs, right? Because something like an avocado or macadamia nuts or almonds, those are not low-calorie foods. So we're talking about rice cakes and those 100-calorie snack packs, things like that. We eat often, but we eat very little. We're grazing throughout the day on low-nutrient, low-calorie foods that are often carbohydrates. When we do that, we are kind of staying in this postprandial state over and over. You know, we keep going back to that because it's a little thing here, and then two hours later, it's a little thing here. And in addition, 
We're taking ourselves on a blood sugar roller coaster ride, which is why so many people experience hunger on these low calorie diets because we sort of spike the blood sugar and then it crashes. And when it crashes, the body triggers hunger. I've explained this as the carbohydrate cycle in a few other episodes. So definitely check those out. You can just go to primalpotential.com, search carb cycle. I'll also link it up in the show notes if you want to understand that better. But that's why we experience so much hunger and mood instability on true crash diets, but fasting is different. People actually tend to experience less hunger and more mood stability because you're not having those crazy blood sugar fluctuations. And I also talk about this in episode 300 as well um, and, and other things like, won't I burn muscle if I do this fasting thing? So please don't skip episode 300 if you have questions about fasting. When you are fasting, you're removing the metabolic burden and you're allowing your digestive and metabolic resources to be used for other things like healing, right? I shared in episode 300 and I'll say it again, I'm not trying this fast for the purposes of weight loss and I am doing this one time. This is not something I will incorporate on a regular basis. I want to understand my body, and I'll say again why I'm doing this. Number one, I want to give my body a rest period. I want to give my body a rest period. And then the other thing is curiosity for me to understand hunger better which is another point that's come up a lot. I did a modified fast a couple weeks ago where I was just eating less and mostly fat. I was eating kind of, I wasn't truly fasting. I call it a modified fast because I was limiting my intake to primarily fat. So whether that was bulletproof coffee or macadamia nuts, things like that, um, egg yolks. And, And I was really noticing some very interesting things about my hunger. It was annoying me that I wouldn't be hungry at all, but then I would eat something because it had been a while, and then after eating, I would be ravenous, right? The other thing I noticed is that I would get a wave of hunger before I would eat, and if I reacted to it by eating, that hunger would grow, but if I didn't react to it, if I didn't eat, it went away, and that seemed really counterintuitive for me, so I got super curious about hunger and what that really means to me. I'm excited to learn more about it. Uh, in this fast, and I and I talk about in episode 300 how when I was 350 plus pounds, I was afraid to get hungry. I felt like if I got hungry, I would be out of control. But let's be real. I was 350 pounds. I was already out of control, and I was still afraid of being hungry, right? Like, didn't make any sense. So, so I'm always very curious to understand hunger and be less reactive to it because I know that's been a huge part of my success in, in losing weight and keeping it off. The phenomenon of hunger growing after you begin to eat is very biological. It is a survival instinct. And I always refer back to these common sense understandings because I think they just make things easier. If we go back to you know, the hunter-gatherer period, how we evolved, where there weren't grocery stores, right? These Paleolithic people would go days without eating because they hadn't killed anything, or maybe it was fall or winter and there were no berries or no seeds and they were wandering. 
they were fasting and they didn't die, which I think is an important point to make. That was their way of life. It was their way of life to have these periods of fast and then these periods of of food security and, and having an abundance of food, right? They didn't have grocery stores and three square meals a day. They didn't die. But anyways, back to hunger. So they would be going several days without food, and when they would come upon food, maybe they had killed something or they came upon a fruit tree, their brains would get the signal, oh, there's food, and respond by triggering hunger, upregulating hunger to help them eat more so they would create enough of an internal reserve to get them through the next period of fast or famine, right? So hunger growing when you eat is a bit of a survival instinct. It's just not one we need now, right? It's just not one we need now. Just like, you know, our flight our flight or fight mechanism is a survival instinct, although when it activates in a business meeting, it's not one we need now, but it's still programmed into us. We just have to learn to be aware and respond intelligently. And the other part of hunger growing when we eat is more psychological. Food tastes good, so we want more. We might not be truly hungry, but we want more of that pleasure experience. And fasting removes these two factors, just removes them. And I'm curious to see how my body responds to that. I'm excited about what I will learn. That doesn't make it the right play for you where you are in your journey right now, but it's also okay that it does feel like the right play for me on my journey right now, okay? So that's why I'm doing this. The other cool thing about it for me to try out is the simplicity. After being 350 pounds, heck, even when I was at my heaviest, I was still obsessed with food and I was obsessed with weight loss and I was always thinking about what I would eat and when I would eat and how much I would eat and food guilt and decisions and this and that. And fasting removes that. It frees up that energy, that focus, that anxiety. And sure, it only does that for the duration of the fast, but it gives you a new level of context after that, right? A new level of context about how much time we spend thinking about food, which allows you to adjust and maybe be more measured afterwards. It also gives you a new level of context about hunger so that afterwards, hopefully I won't be as reactive to those lower levels of hunger. Before I talk about specifics, Um, and answer more detailed questions about the fast that I'm doing starting March 12th, I want to remind you that you need to do what makes sense for you and that if you aren't consistently making food choices that are aligned with your goals, that's your next step, right? If you're... If you're already being consistent with those food choices, but you've never fasted before, well, then maybe it makes sense for you to start with an intermittent fast, like trying a 16-hour fasting window once a week for a month and see how that feels. Let's not get all crazy and jump to intensity. The other thing is know thyself, right? Most of us are adults here, right? And if you're a kid, obviously fasting is probably not a good approach for you, certainly not unless you are under the care of a health professional um, because you're growing. Um, But we're all adults here. Let's say that. You've got to know yourself. If you're coming from this mindset of over-restriction leads to over-indulgence, guess what? You're not ready. I love you. You're not ready. That's not wrong. I wasn't ready before. 
So you've got to check your mindset. If you've struggled with over-restriction or eating disorders and you're feeling nervous, guess what? It's just not right for you right now, and that is okay. You've got to use some common sense about what is best for you. Self-awareness is everything. It's not about what's trendy or what other people are doing. It's about what makes sense for you right now. Self-awareness is everything. I also want to respond to those of you who feel like this is insane, what Ella and I are doing. I've got a couple of thoughts. Is it possible that maybe you think it's insane because maybe you haven't spent as much time in the science as we have? This is something I've studied at length, right? Or maybe you think it's insane because you're at a different point in your journey or your mindset than we are. And that doesn't make us wrong just because you don't understand it. Or it doesn't make us wrong just because you're very attached to the information that you've heard and you believe about crash dieting. And if you're along the lines of crash dieting, it also means that you don't understand our motives. And that's okay. We have a tendency to react very negatively to things that are new or things that are different or things we don't understand. So maybe I can just challenge you for your next step to maybe not use words like crazy or stupid, but just new or different. And if it doesn't sit well with you, that's probably just a sign it's not right for you right now. And that's okay. I would not have done this a year ago. I definitely would not have done this three years ago. But right now, it makes sense for me. That doesn't mean it needs to make sense for you or to you. So you have options. You can seek more information to help you break through some of the paradigms you've established. And Jimmy Moore and Dr. Fung's book is a great place to start, The Complete Guide to Fasting. I'll link to that in the show notes. Or you can choose to let it go and stay focused on you. Remember that one of my favorite mantras is travel light. Why would you choose to pick up and carry judgment about somebody else's food choices? That's just silly, like life is too short. Set it down, travel light, it's not yours to carry. I was listening to a podcast recently, which I rarely do. I'm actually not much of a podcast listener. And it was a podcast on plant-based diets. I just love learning um, and hearing different perspectives. And one of the points that really resonated with me had nothing to do with plant-based eating. And I don't even remember exactly what he said. He was certainly far more eloquent than I will be. But he said, we need to be more welcoming, right? If we want to help people and help ourselves, We need to be more welcoming and less judgmental. And I stand staunchly, staunchly against judgment about food, right? You will remember, and I share this openly on the podcast, that when I was 350 plus pounds, one of my first changes was to not order two breakfast entrees at Chick-fil-A. And if somebody had said, that's completely disgusting. And if you want to get serious, you need to stop the drive-through. Look, that was my starting point. And it got me to where I am now. Does it make sense for me now? No. Did it make sense for me then? Yes. Was it good enough for me then? Yes. Did it work for me then? Absolutely. And I welcome and encourage whatever step you are at on your journey. We are all doing what represents an improvement for us. We're all doing what we can, the best we can, and we're at different places. If you're still struggling with a fat loss friendly breakfast, and you're where I was getting fast food every day or a few mornings a week, I don't stand here to tell you you're wrong. I stand here to tell you I'm on your side. I'm in your corner. Do the best you can. Focus on what feels like an improvement for you, and I want to help you in any way I can because I know the journey is not easy. 
And the world needs more of that. And I'm not going to apologize for insisting that primal potential be a place of accepting that we're all doing what represents an improvement for us. And I'm not here to tell anybody they are wrong. And I will feel like I have made great strides when fewer people are telling me or others that what they are doing is wrong. I understand it and I don't take it personally, but I just think that's something we we need to be aware of, being more welcoming and, and accepting. I'm never going to tell you, somebody commented the other day on something and said, that they were really proud of their oatmeal and blueberry for breakfast. And, and, you know, they said, you know, Elizabeth, I know that's not ideal. It might be damn ideal for you right now. If that is an improvement for you right now, I am cheering you on and 100% in your corner. This is not a sprint to perfection. This is a marathon of gradual changes that are right for you. And I just think that's a really important thing for us all to keep in mind. All right, so let me get to some of the questions that have come in. Ella and I shared that we will be drinking black coffee during our fast. And some people said, you know, that defeats the purpose. Coffee is toxic. Why are you having coffee? Again, let's be more welcoming. Coffee and a fast is a huge improvement for me. And the other thing is, right now, I drink a ton of coffee. Like, that is a vice of mine. Not trying to change it. But for me to have a couple of cups of coffee while fasting represents a massive improvement compared to a pot of coffee plus a couple other coffees randomly throughout the day and not fasting. So that represents an improvement for me. If you don't want to drink coffee because you think it's toxic, that's fine, but I will not let perfect be the enemy of good in my own journey, and I hope you won't either. I don't think anybody wins when you look at somebody and say, you're doing it wrong. If you're doing what represents an improvement for you, guess what? You're doing it right for you. And it's okay if that looks different from an improvement for me. It should. Somebody else asked, don't we need the vitamins and minerals and enzymes we get from food? Yep, we sure do. And we need them largely because they are metabolic cofactors, because they help us to digest and absorb and utilize that very food we ate. So when you're fasting, your metabolic needs are far less. The other thing is your body has stores of vitamins and minerals, and it also can manufacture many uh, enzymes and metabolic cofactors on its own. With that said, Electrolytes are absolutely important, and that's one of the reasons that Ella and I have shared we'll be open to having bone broth as needed, um, and we'll be, you know, drinking water, maybe a little bit of kombucha, lower sugar versions of kombucha. Some are very, very high in sugar. People have asked me what brand I drink. Me personally, and I know Ella's answer is different here, but our bodies are very different and our goals are very different. The only kombucha I drink is Kavita brand lemon cayenne flavor because that is the lowest sugar one I've ever found. And that just not only um, satisfies my palate, but it's what I'm most comfortable with from a sugar standpoint. Another question is, you know, if I'm going to think that I, that I failed or it was like a, an aborted mission if I don't make it five days. No way. If I thought of it that way, that would be like bringing my full effort to a workout and having my muscles fail and feeling like I, I blew the workout. No, it means I pushed my body to a new limit, and that is a win. So I am going into this with a completely open mind. Look, if after 24 hours I'm like, yeah, that was fun, I'm done, 
great, fine. I get to hang out with my girlfriend for a few days. I don't take things like food so seriously that this is like the be all end all. And I don't think that just because we'll be sharing it publicly in our private Facebook group and doing live streams that I owe it to you guys to tough it out. This is my body. This is my journey. And I don't owe anybody perfection, including myself. I just want to pay attention and see how I feel and learn from the experience and and see what I can do. I have no doubt that I can, you know, do a 24-hour fast. I've done that before, no big deal. Um, but as far as going for longer than that, I'm not doing this for like a participation award. I'm not doing this so that people can say, "Oh my gosh, you're so tough." I'm doing this to learn. Either way, I learn whether I make it 1 day, 2 day, 3 day, 5 day, <laughs> whatever. If I learn, I win. And that's how I feel about it. So for those of you that are like, I just want to know more about your experience while I work on my own journey, I think that's great. And you can follow along. If you go to the show notes for this episode or for episode 300, you'll see two things. Number one, join the email list so that you get the PDFs on what we're doing, the details, the specifics, the questions. Um, And also there is a link to our private Facebook group where we will be doing live broadcasts together because I will be staying at Ella's house for the duration of this. Um, so, so that's how you can follow along. But I just want to wrap up with two primary points. Meh, three primary points. Number one, the mechanics first. Consistency with the basics first. Get that first. Put your energy and your focus and your attention there first. Number two, if and when you want to try something different after you've established the basics, Do what represents an improvement for you. There is no right way, wrong way. The only right way is the way that represents an improvement for you. And then lastly, nobody wins when we tell people they're doing it wrong. I believe strongly that we are all here trying to do the best that we can and that can and should and will look different for everybody. And I am 1000% in support of you doing what's an improvement for you, you doing what works for you, you doing what's sustainable for you, you doing what makes you feel amazing. And when we keep our eyes on our own work and just do us without worrying that somebody's telling us we're doing it wrong, I think everybody wins. And that's what I, that's what I want to be for you guys. I want to be a cheerleader helping you take your next step, helping you make your next improvement. And I just, I, I just want to be a voice for that in the world. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.